John is our gospel from which we will be learning more from today. I love the gospel of John because it has such a high Christology. For those of you who don't necessarily know what that means, you would understand if you had read it a few times. It comes out that there are more things, more thoughts, a more developed concept of who Jesus is than in the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So, would you read with me, or not read with me, I will read it for you. John eleven thirty two through 44. Listen for the word of the Lord for you. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her were also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, Where have you laid him then? Then they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who healed the blind man kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, who was greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and there was a stone in front of it. And Jesus said, Take that stone. Martha, we know Martha, the sister of the dead man, and her character, always wise, always very to the ground. Lord, there will be a stench because he's been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took that stone away, and Jesus looked upward and said, Father, thank you for having heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when they had heard what he said, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out! And the dead man came out his hands and feet still bound with strips of cloth, his burial clothes, his face wrapped in cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him, let him go. Opening the door. It came to me this morning that we were using this door illustration and that the tomb was opened and that that was a, such a vivid example of opening the door, opening the door to your life. And so before we continue this morning, let us take a moment and open the door of our heart by praying. Would you pray with me? Dear God, open our minds, open our hearts. Let this scripture resonate in a way that it never has before. Thank you for opening our hearts and opening our minds as we continue on in worshiping you this morning. Amen. It is All Saints Day, and those who are faithful to God throughout history in our congregations, we commit them to living thoughts, values, and the actions of our deceased companions, saints of the church. We grieve on such days, but we also rejoice that their lives made a difference. They live on with God 
and their memory lives on with us. And we affirm with God that no value has ever been lost, and love had been shared, and God gives us everlasting life. And no matter how comfortable we might become with death, it is always still uncomfortable. Remarking about his then-recent bout with cancer, Steve Jobs said to the Stanford graduating class of 2005, no one wants to die. Even people who want to go to heaven don't want to die to get there. And yet death is a destination that we all share. No one has ever escaped it, and it's as it should be, because death is very likely the single best invention in life. It is life's change agent. It clears out the old, and it makes way for the new. We see that with the coming of the seasons. We see that after a fire has destroyed a mountainside and new growth is birthed. It clears out the old and makes way for the new. A little later in life, Steve Jobs picks up the same theme of death in his autobiography, or in his biography. I like to think that something survives after you die, he says. It's strange to think that you accumulate all of this experience, all of this knowledge, all of this, these things that you have done. I really want to believe that something behind us survives. It does. Our memory survives. The things that we have done, they survive. Our children survive. But on the other hand, perhaps it's like an on-off switch. Maybe that's why on Apple devices there are no on-off switches. And that's how it ends. I love that he does that. Steve Jaws has been creating and innovating for such a long time, and he has this realization that maybe everything that he's been creating is in subconscious a fight against death, a fight against things that shouldn't be shut off and things that should survive. Some people believe that our advancements in technology by now, surely it was projected that we would have flying cars and robot mates. Certainly technology would have us beating death. But it doesn't. Death is still not our friend. It's still human nature, whether you're Buddhist, Muslim, Taoist, or Christian. We are all trying to fight death. So our scripture today has one of Jesus' closest friends dying. And one by one, we see how the characters react. These characters are familiarly developed in John. The disciples, a goofy bunch of followers who don't get it right. Mary, who has sat at the feet of Jesus, basking, learning, Martha, always busy in the kitchen. There's always work to do. Always the logical one. And Jesus is also a character in this story. What did Jesus do when he heard that his friend was sick and dying? He delayed. Now, I'm not the most experienced pastor in the world, but if we're sitting around in staff meeting and someone says, someone is dying in the hospital, we don't just say, Let's just sit on that for two days. But that's what Jesus does. Two days he waits with his followers, 
to then make the journey to Bethany, where Lazarus has passed away. Why would Jesus delay? Ultimately, the answer is to show his deeper glory, to show how amazing he is. So Jesus finally arrives in town, and he's greeted by the people who are sad. They are weeping. They are sitting shiva. And Jesus joins them. He weeps also. John eleven thirty five 35 was the shortest verse in the Bible that I got to memorize in my Lutheran school upbringing. Jesus wept, period. Jesus wept some passionate, empathetic tears and joined in sitting Shiva with them. He's present in their pain. He's amongst his closest followers. And I still wonder why Jesus did it, but it's for the glory of God. You think he would come in like Oprah and say, you get a car, you get a brother, you get a resurrection. But he doesn't. He waits for the right moment. He's not flashy about it. And so the goal of Jesus here is to show how big he really is, that he is the true God. He exemplifies the importance and power of prayer and the new life that is found in Jesus The present passage is one of the most dramatic moments that the Gospel of John has. He stands in front of this large crowd, and he says to Lazarus, come out. And the tomb, as you know, was a cave, like many in ancient times, and it needed to have the stone rolled away across its mouth. It was a heart-stopping moment. Shuddering horror must have gone through many of their minds. And then there was overwhelming joy. And then there was mixed emotion. And all of this is hugely important because all of the people standing there were driven to the awe and wonder of God. God is big. God is bigger than we know. God is bigger than we can think about. And that's one of the reasons why we made our table larger this morning, because God is big. But the raising of Lazarus itself isn't the most extraordinary thing in this passage. There are two more extraordinary things that happened. The importance of prayer. There was a bit of unexplained evidence in what Jesus says when they take the stone away. He doesn't pray that he'll have the power right then and there to make Lazarus healed. He adds that little extra sentence. And those two silent days beforehand is what we're missing in this passage that we read today. But in verse 6, that happens earlier. Jesus had been praying this whole time that eventually they would arrive at Bethany and the body in the tomb would be whole and be complete even before they arrived, ready to be summoned back to life. And when they took the stone away, Jesus already knew that his prayer had been answered. Jesus had been praying For this dear one, not that his body would be decaying in the days after his death, but he would be ready to come back to life. For this moment, we pause and realize the power of prayer, and Jesus exemplifies that. Now, new life is found in Jesus. Jesus, after weeping, 
emotionally moved, commands those around him in Lazarus' tomb, and there's instant protest. Lazarus had been dead for a few days, and everyone knew that rolling the stone away wouldn't be pretty. And while I don't use the King James Version very often, I do enjoy this version. Martha calls out, But Lord, you can't take the stone away. He stinketh. He stinketh. I love that. He knows perfectly well that a human body, particularly in a warm climate like Bethany in Jerusalem, will begin to putrefy within three days of death. Most certainly, Lazarus would stinketh. So the third thing that we learn from this passage is not written in the words, but rather the absence of something. John has admitted it, but surely he wants us to understand that when they took the stone away, there was no smell. Jesus knew that Lazarus was not dead. Or if he was dead, he was dead no longer. And his prayers had been there. His power was to be shown. And all that was required now is for Lazarus to obey the command of come out. And so shuffling, a slightless figure came out of the darkness of the cave, was unwrapped and released into the light of the world. As challenging as the story of Lazarus is for us today, and as troubling as we have in believing it, Jesus commands Lazarus to come out. It's about us too. We need to hear Jesus' words addressed to the dead parts of ourselves. Come out. Come alive. As much as this sign is about Jesus, it's also about us because we are all Lazarus. We are all dead and lifeless until Jesus calls and calls us out. We are wrapped up in corpses, bound by our grave clothes. Have you ever felt restricted by something? Have you ever felt bogged down by something? Has something ever left you feeling empty? We stinketh until Jesus calls us out of the tomb, until he orders everything that binds us and holds us down, until he breathes his breath inside of us again and makes us a new creation. The raising of Lazarus isn't just a miracle that Jesus performed thousands of years ago in a land far away, but it is the work of Jesus today. I leave you with these questions. When have you felt that God is waiting for you to come out? What does it mean to you to know that God weeps for us and with us? Where have you seen God act in your life or in the world recently? Amen and amen.